I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast here with Dr. Janelle Anderson, where it is my job to share with you the latest and best ideas on workplace dynamics, communication, and leadership, delivering actionable tips and techniques that you can use at work today. And in fact, today I'm going to start with a public service announcement. And here is my public service announcement for you. Research on remote workers and hybrid workplaces and all the rest has been going on for decades. If you've been listening to the Working Conversations podcast for a while now, you'll know that I wrote my dissertation on virtual teams way back in 2001. That's 20 years ago. Now, of course, the pandemic has put a new lens on the topic and brought it to the forefront, but the research and the data has literally been around for decades, my friends, showing us what works and what doesn't when it comes to virtual workplaces, remote workers, hybrid workplaces, and all the rest. Now, for this episode, we're going to turn to some of that earlier and, in fact, extremely relevant research. We're going to take you all the way back to 2006 for some research that turns out to be far more relevant today than when it was published. Dr. Karen Sobel-Lajewski wrote her dissertation on virtual distance way back in 2016. So 15 years ago, this research was published. In her research, she used in-depth statistical modeling to see where working remotely had the most negative impact on key performance indicators. And her resulting model is called virtual distance, what she defines as, quote, a measure of what is lost when the human being is translated through the machine, end quote, that is the computer. Now, that's about as geeky as I'm going to get with her research today. We're going to look at the practical applicability of what she found. Now, she have identified 10 factors that group easily into three main types of distance with remote teams, physical distance, operational distance, and affinity distance. Now stick around to the end, my friends, because I've got a great tool for you, a downloadable worksheet that's going to help you really understand how some of this plays out in your own role. So hang in there for that resource coming up a little bit later in the podcast. We're going to talk through each one of those three distances, physical distance, operational distance, and affinity distance, and give some examples, and then get down to the really practical part about how you can use this to manage better. And don't worry if you're not a manager, I'm not going to interpret this data and research only for those of you who are managing people. We'll also talk about how you can use this information when you're leading from the side, when you're self-managing, or in fact, just how to deepen the relationships that you have with your coworkers when you are working remotely. Now, again, as we've discussed on an earlier episode of the Working Conversations podcast, COVID-19 and this global pandemic has brought about a massive experiment in working from home, the likes of which we never thought we'd see in this lifetime. We often think about no longer being co-located with our colleagues, and we wonder if we're ever going to be regularly co-locating with them again in the office environment, and in fact, what that hybrid environment might look like. And we'll be talking about 
those matters in a couple of upcoming episodes. But for now, the jury's kind of out on that one. The prognosticators, the futurists, the senior leaders of all corporations all are agreeing on two things. One, it will never go back to being exactly the same as it was pre-pandemic. And two, it will be an evolving experiment as things roll out and we come back to the hybrid and co-located workplaces. And we don't know exactly yet what that will look like. All right, now let's get down to these three types of distance. The first one, physical distance. This is about place and time, being in different geographic locations and in different time zones. Now, we so often default to this as the problem when things go wrong in virtual teams, like we're not physically together. But it's actually a pretty simplistic way of looking at remote work. In fact, this one, this physical distance is the easiest of the three to overcome. We've had to navigate time zones and geographic distance with clients, regional offices, businesses becoming global over, gosh, many, many years. And we've had lots of experience with this one. We've got all this technology that helps us bridge the gap. We've got WebEx. We've got Microsoft Teams. We've got Zoom. We've got Jabber. We've got, oh my gosh, it just goes on and on, all of the different resources that we have. And we've had these resources in various capacities for some time. And again, it's easy to place blame on the physical distance and the time zones, but the distance conversation, again, is far bigger than that. And mostly, physical distance is not what gets in the way of effective virtual work. As we look at the other two types of distance here in a couple of minutes, you'll begin to see why that is the case. But here's the thing. Let's zero in on the physical distance a little bit closer. We have been doing this for decades. In fact, if we go back several decades, we'll see that the 1950s to the 1970s were really the classic era of multinational corporations where we saw explosive growth in international business. And if you want to get really precise about the history of multinational corporations, the East India Company way back in the 17th century first brought porcelain, spices, and other products to Europe, and it was, in fact, the first business that linked the East to the West and is known as the very first multinational corporation. The point is this. We know how to do this. We know how to work together across space and time. But there is so much more to distance than the physical distance. We really can no longer think about space and time as a barrier. Again, we have millennia worth of proof that says that we know how to do this and we know how to do it well. Now, let's move on to the second type of distance, operational distance. This is where it gets far more interesting and far more nuanced. When we look at operational distance, we're looking at three things. First, your team size, the number of people in your team, or for those of you who are managers, the number of direct reports you have. Secondly, we're looking at skill level, not only your skill level, but the skill level of either your coworkers or your direct reports. And then we're also looking at bandwidth, everything else you're doing in addition to managing people. Let's put some examples to this. When we look at team size, let's say our manager friend Kim manages five people, and Terry, one of her peers, manages 25 people. So this is a huge difference in how much time they each have available for each person who reports to them. As you think about holding one-on-ones, how much there is of you to go around, your availability for a quick question, those informal interactions, good morning conversations, and chance hallway meetings, 
all of the relationship development and everything that goes into maintaining, you know, creating and then maintaining a relationship with five people versus 25 people. Now let's look in addition to team size, because I mean, clearly you can see that when the team size is larger, the operational distance is larger because there's less of you to go around. So you maybe don't feel as close to the employees you're managing. Or if you're thinking about your colleagues, if you've got 25 colleagues on your team versus five colleagues on your team, you probably don't feel as close with all 25 of them as you might if you worked on a team with just five people on it. So again, you can see that distance in play. The more people on your team, the greater the operational distance, the fewer people on your team, the easier it is to bridge that operational distance and have closer relationships. And it's really interesting as we think about the specific word close, we become close and that is it bridges the distance, whether we are geographically close to one another or not really doesn't matter. Again, going back to physical distance. Now let's relate this operational distance piece of team size to another factor of operational distance, and that is bandwidth. Now let's go back to these two managers, Kim, who manages five people, and Terry, who manages 25. Terry is a manager in a call center. That's where she manages those 25 people. Her primary responsibilities include managing people, pretty much it, managing people and all the paperwork and reporting and everything that goes along with that. So in managing those people, she does hiring, she coaches her employees, and if the coaching doesn't work, she may have to fire those employees. She does the scheduling. She does reporting. She does projections. She handles escalations when things go wrong with callers. She advocates for resources for those 25 employees and so much more. And all of her work is related to those 25 people. Her main focus of work are those 25 people, their needs, and keeping things running smoothly for them. When Terry does a great job, those 25 people have all the resources that they need to do their work really, really well. Now, she doesn't have any independent projects or other initiatives that she's running. Everything that she has to do in her role has to do with the call center and those 25 people. That is her primary responsibility. Now, let's look over at Kim. Kim, the one who's managing five people. She's on a market research team. In addition to managing those five direct reports, she also leads market research projects on that team. Some of the others on her team are, in fact, leading projects, and she leads projects as well. So when she's leading projects, she is doing independent focus work that she needs to be heads down to get her own work done on that project. So all this project work is in addition to hiring, coaching, and if coaching doesn't work, firing, scheduling, reporting, projections, handling escalations, all the same things that Terry is doing, but Kim only needs to do that for five people as opposed to 25 people. So she has bandwidth available to do project work herself on top of her management responsibilities, again, because she's only managing the five people. Now, of course, what it takes to manage those five people versus what it takes to manage those 25 people absolutely varies based on the personalities of those five or 25 people, their need for coaching, their codependence level, and so many more things. So it's not just about the sheer number. It is also about the character and quality of those 25 or those five people. 
But I think you can clearly see that the more initiatives that you are driving on top of your management responsibilities, the less bandwidth you have available to manage your employees and vice versa. The fewer direct reports you have, the more you have bandwidth to take on those independent projects or lead other projects that don't have to do immediately with managing people. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. All right, so that was our second piece of operational distance. First, we had the team size, and then second, we had bandwidth. Now, the third part of operational distance is skill level. And skill level really has two sides of it, the employee skill and the manager skill. Let's look at the employee skill first. When you've got a newer employee who has lower skills, they need more of their manager's time to come up to speed. So let's take a look at Terry, the call center manager with 25 people. She's doing more hiring. There's frankly quite a lot higher turnover in a call center than there is in a market research team. And she's got five times as many people. So she's going to have five times as much turnover times, of you know, five times the larger team. So she's going to have much higher turnover. And so a lot more hiring. She's going to have a greater need to spend her time with those low skilled employees, those newer hired employees, even if they have great customer service skills, she still needs to show them how we do it here in our organization, learning the backend systems and so forth, skilling them up. Terry is going to have a closer relationship with those newer employees at that time as it relates to skill level. As they become more skilled, they need less and less from Terry and they become more independent and they become more autonomous. And then there can become, as it relates to skill level, more distance, greater distance. And in fact, that's a good thing at that point as those employees become more independent and more autonomous. Now, Kim still has to do those same things as well. When she hires new employees, they have lower skills. Again, they may be top-notch market researchers, but they still need to learn how to do it at our organization. They need to learn the backend systems. They need to learn where we store the files. They need to learn our branding templates and all the rest. So, those lower skills, even in Kim's area, is going to need more manager time from her. And again, that's going to yield a closer relationship with the new employee as it relates to skill. And then as those market researchers become more skilled, they're going to need less and less from Kim as they become more independent and more autonomous, yielding greater distance in the relationship. And as it relates to skill level, that's a good thing. Now, we got to look at the other side of the skill coin too, and that's the skill level of the manager. The more skills the manager has in their tool set, in their tool bag, the better they are at bridging the distance, whatever kind of distance that might be. So that means professional development in the form of taking classes, listening to podcasts like this one, getting mentored by more seasoned managers and leaders, those with more skill, 
all can help skill up a manager so that they get better at bridging distance of all kinds. So investing in yourself and investing in your skills as a manager is really going to help you bridge that operational distance and really any kind of distance that you've got in your organization. Now, operational distance is so important. I can't stress that enough. It is so important, so much so that I have made a free operational distance inventory worksheet for you to download. It walks you through all the parts of operational distance for each of your direct reports so you can really shine a light on where you need to focus your efforts in bridging that operational distance. You can find it on the show notes page for this episode, and you can find those at workingconversations.com forward slash 18 for episode 18. Again, that's workingconversations.com forward slash 18. Now there's one more type of distance that we haven't talked about yet. And that is affinity distance. Affinity distance has to do with the values, the trust level, and the interdependency between you as the manager and each of your employees. Or if you're listening to this from the employee perspective, the values, trust, and interdependency that you have with each of your coworkers. Now I'm going to dub this relationship distance. The researcher calls it affinity distance, but I like to think of it as relationship distance. And this is one of the most ephemeral and the most challenging to overcome because it really does require us to build a relationship with someone. And that takes time and effort. It takes emotional intelligence, it takes communication, and it takes listening. Now let's look at these three parts of affinity distance or relationship distance one at a time. Let's look at values. And again, we'll relate this back to Terry and Kim. Now, if we look at values and we find maybe Terry has a very similar upbringing and background to one of her employees, maybe they were raised in the same religion, they've got similar political views, they're both strong proponents of public education for children, they listen to the same radio stations, and let's say they're both even huge fans of the Green Bay Packers. It's going to feel easy for them to immediately be close and feel a close relationship to one another because that closeness, again, it's literally bridging the values gap between them. Their values are similar. And so the distance is short. The distance is small. And again, it may be very easy for the two of them to strike up a close relationship based on those values. Now, let's say another employee on Terry's team is very different from a different part of the country or maybe even a different country entirely. That person has a different accent, likes different foods, has no interest in sports, and so forth. Terry must make a much more concerted effort to bridge those values differences, to find points of common interest, and to find even things to talk about for small talk. Now, if this is your colleague, rather than your direct report, the same holds true. You must make more of an effort to bridge those differences in order to have a close relationship with that person. And when you have a close relationship with that person, it leads into the next of the affinity distance factors, and that is trust. So trust is the next piece of affinity distance or that relational distance. Now, trust is really basic and straightforward. When you trust someone, you are naturally closer. When they trust you, they feel naturally closer to you. If you don't trust someone, there is more relational distance. You feel less close to them. You feel more distant from them. As trust increases, the relationship gets closer 
And when trust is broken, the relationship becomes more distant again. And in fact, when trust becomes broken, you need to clean that mess up. And the sooner and more authentically you clean up a breach in trust, the more likely you can quickly move back into a relationship that is again closer. But if you leave a breach of trust or broken trust hanging out in the space, that is just going to fester and make the relationship more distant and keep it feeling distant longer. Now, the third part of affinity distance or relational distance is interdependency. If you have to work together on projects and your work is interdependent with other people, it's easier to grow close to them. Even if your values may be different, trust grows as you do what you said you were going to do and they do what they said they were going to do when your work is interdependent and that happens more quickly and the interdependency deepens, the trust deepens. And again, you may more naturally feel closer. And all of these three add up to creating the relationship. Now, the authors of this work suggest that the best way for managers to drive team performance is by focusing on closing the gap on affinity distance. I completely agree with them, but I am also going to give an extra nod to operational distance, though, because the bigger your team is and the more other things you have on your plate, the harder it is to prioritize connecting with your team members and really growing those relationships. And of course, that is the affinity part. So they are interconnected. Let's revisit the top takeaways from this podcast today. First off, acknowledging the operational distance. What do you have to overcome? Is it team size? Is it skill levels? Is it bandwidth? If you can be straight with yourself first and then get really strategic about how you can work to transcend those pieces of operational distance, it will make a huge difference in you actually being able to manage and close the gap in that operational distance. And again, that's going to lead to higher affinity distance. Let's put a practical example to it. Let's say that you are a manager with a reasonably large team, let's say 15 people, and you've got a lot of your own work. You need to schedule time in your calendar for you to get your work done so that your team can see that you aren't available during certain hours when you're doing your focus work. And then you're going to schedule time when you can be interrupted when you are available, maybe setting up office hours where you can easily take their calls, answer their quick questions, and have those casual interactions. Or if you're not a manager, you might think about your team size and acknowledge that you're part of a big team and that you don't know everyone all that well. So you might start setting up some virtual coffee meetings where there's no agenda except to get to know each other better. And they don't have to be long. 10 or 15 minutes is great. And start with someone on the team who's been onboarded maybe during the pandemic. Odds are they would greatly appreciate getting to know you and others on the team as well. All right, let's look at affinity distance and let's talk values first. Now keep yourself in check and watch for the places where a relationship comes easily. You probably have similar values with those people. And then also keep an eye out for the instances in which relationship does not come as easily. What biases might you have that are getting in the way of bridging the differences in values in order to become closer with that person? And this is a great lens through which to look at some of your unconscious or unintentional biases, things that you privilege with related, related to values that can easily get in the way of creating a closer relationship with someone. Now, third, let's look at affinity again. And here, do not resist interdependency. So often, especially when we're working remotely, we can think, oh, it's just easier for me to do this myself than to delegate it. 
or to share the load with a colleague and collaborate on something. Collaboration increases affinity through interdependence. We learn more about each other, we build trust, and sometimes we find out that we don't like each other terribly much, but we learn where each other's experience lies, where each other's expertise lies, and when we can connect to the larger effort of what we're building together or what our team is focusing on, it can really help us bridge that affinity distance. We don't have to like each other, but in helping each other out and in collaborating, we do grow closer. So there you have it, my friends. Virtual distance is comprised of physical, operational, and affinity distance. So which one are you going to work on this week? And exactly what are you going to do to bridge it? Now, before you leave, make sure you hop on over to workingconversations.com forward slash 18 to grab that free resource I mentioned, the Operational Distance Inventory. It will assist you in understanding your very specific operational distance situation and how you can work to bridge operational distance with each one of your employees or coworkers. Okay, my friends, that's it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend or better yet, share it with your manager. And I'll see you here next week for another episode of Working Conversations. Until then, take good care. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.